Welcome back to Dafa Shavua. This week we're going to be learning Misech Sivamos Daf Peihei as we continue our way through the parak of Yesh Mutaros, uh, in which the Mishnah at the beginning of Daf Peidalad Amad Aleph began to describe this class of women who are going to be uh, mutter. They're going to be mutaris to their husbands, but they're going to be forbidden to their Yavamos. And uh, the Mishnah then that went on. Uh, and uh, categorized all of these different types of women and uh, what types of relationships they are going to be allowed to participate in and uh, those types of relationships that are going to be uh, that are going to be asura for them. We're going to pick up at the bottom of Daf Pedalad Amad Beis and the Gemara at the bottom of Daf Pedalad Amad Beis quotes a principle of Rav and Rav presents the fact that daughters of Kohanim or wives of Kohanim don't have the same rules as Kohanim in terms of which men they're allowed to marry. The Gemara tries to go ahead and prove this point. The question arises as when there are two uh, people involved in an Avera, who is going to be Chayev? So certainly in the world of illicit relationships, if we have a husband and wife and uh, the husband is Asura to this woman, or we have a woman who's Asura to this man. So when should they, God forbid, have a relationship? So who is the Isser going to uh, be chal on? So let's say there's an Isser of, uh, for instance, we'll throw out a random Isser, an Isser of what we refer to as baltakif, that we're not allowed to cut off the sideburns uh, of somebody. And uh, if we have a situation in which we have a barber who's cutting off the sideburns, so the question is then going to become, who is going to be chayev over here? Who is going to be in violation of the Isser? And the Gemara in Makos actually has a discussion uh, about this exact uh, about this exact case. Um, and uh, the Gemara spells out whether or not the person who's sitting in the chair, he was a misayeya, he allowed this avira to occur, whether or not he asked for this avira to occur. And all of the different manifestations of uh, of such a uh, of such a case, and when it comes to arayos, which is a case that we're discussing, so the Gemara seems to say that men and women are going to be equal when it comes to these uh, illicit relationships in terms of the chiyuvim that they uh, that they have that they possess. And the Gemara continues trying to learn um, where women are included in these relationships and where we're going to exclude women from these relationships that are going to be, uh, once again, relationships that are going to be us. So the Gemara presents the Pasuk of Ish Oisha, the Pasuk that appears in Sefer Vayikra, which requires women to observe all of the Isurim, all of the things that uh, apply to men are going to uh, apply to women as well. But then the Pasuk goes on, and the Gemara uses the words Lo Yikahu, which also obligate women uh, in uh, all of these uh, more limited prohibitions, just like uh, such as illicit relationships with Kohanim and the like. And uh, women have a very high level of Isser when it comes to many of these illicit relationships. Ultimately, the Gemara concludes, based on the Pasuk of Loi Kachu, that women are going to be included in all these prohibitions. Um, and uh, even those that are a little bit more limited, such as uh, when they contract Tumah, uh, as well as some of the more general Isurim of who they can go ahead and marry, and when there is an Avera at play, women and men are going to be obligated equally. There's a tshuva that comes from Rav Moshe Feinstein that he wrote to uh, Rabbi Kelimer, who was uh, in his later years the uh, the rabbi of the young Israel of West Hempstead, and in the tshuva that Rav Moshe writes, Rav Kelmer was uh, a rabbi in the city of Boston, and in Igros Moshe, 
Orachayim Chelek Dalad Simon Memtes. So Rav Moshe Feinstein is trying to uh, spell out and describe some of the um, actual differences between men and women in terms of their chiyuvim in mitzvos, and some of the perhaps perceived uh, differences between men and women in their fulfillment of mitzvos. And Rav Moshe, in a uh, quite a famous tshuva. He writes that a person should never come to the conclusion that the differences and obligations of men and women has anything to do with their level of Kedusha. It's for sure true that Kohanim have more Kedusha than Yisraelim, and uh, we have classes of Kedusha within Klal Yisrael, but at the end of the day, when it comes to men and women, so it's very hard for us to, uh, to, uh, to ascribe a level of Kedusha for men or women that's more than the opposite gender. And Ramosha quotes six different psukim that we have in Chumash in which men and women are um, discussed and men and women are spoken to in terms of the Kedusha that they possess. Whether or not it's uh, by Harsinai when we know that the when we know that the uh, that the Torah was given, and Rashi comments and says that what's this concept of Beis Yaakov? Who is this a group of people that's referred to as the Beis Yaakov. So Rashi explains that this is specifically uh, describing the women, that the women were standing at our Sinai, that the women received the Torah, and as a result, they are certainly uh, going to be at a, uh, a level of Kedusha similar to men. Ramosha continues, and Ramosha tells us uh, quite a few other psukim, and Ramosha points out to the following, and Ramosha says, Anshe Kodesh Tihi only." Is another pasuk. Vayisem kedoshim is another pasuk. Kedoshim tihiu is another pasuk. Vichiam kadosh atel Hashem is another pasuk in Parshas Rei. And all of these other places, and Ramosha says, "Uvichomakom shenimts in kedusha di Yisrael nemar gamlenashim." These statements about Klal Yisrael that were uh, that were given also apply most certainly to women. And Ramosha concludes over here, and Ramosha says. That the following, uh, the following suggestion, and Moshe says, that we could all give all sorts of examples and all sorts of reasons and all sorts of discussions as to why women and why men have different levels of obligation. But at the end of the day, it's what's referred to as a gzeris This is what a Kaddish Baruch Hu decided: men are going to have certain obligations in chiyuvim and isurim; women are going to have certain obligations. And to assume and to suggest that there are all sorts of reasons, uh, unfortunately, says Ramosha, is a mistake that people fall into, but one that we should try uh, to avoid as much as possible. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted and the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted his world to operate. So the Gemara uh, picks up from this point. The Gemara then presents a story in which Rav Papa and Rav Huna go and they visit the town of Rav Idi Bar Avin. And they asked uh, Rav Papa and Rav Huna, the following question. The question was whether or not the daughters of Kohanim are able to marry Chalalim or not. So Rav Papa and Rav Huna are put on the spot as they enter into this uh, city, and Rav Papa responded based on the Mishnah, the end of Meseches Kedushin, on Daf Samachtes, that Mishnah outlines all of the people who are able to be married one to another on all of the different levels of Kedusha, and doesn't seem to say that a Bas Kohen can marry a Chalal. So according to Rav Papa, this Mishnah implies that the marriage is Asr. So they then asked the question to Idi Baravin, who Rav Huna and Rav Papa were coming to visit, and Rav Idibaravan told them that Benos Kohanim, the daughters of Kohanim, are indeed able to marry Psulim or any disqualified man. Why it was that they asked 
uh, Rav Papa first, and then the answer of Vidi Baravin is a question that uh, obviously has to be dealt with. But we have this machlokes over here as to whether or not. Uh, Abbas Cohen is going to be able to marry a Chalol, where Idi Baravin says yes, and Rav Papa says no. The Gemara then goes on to the next statement uh, from the Mishnah, Daf Pedalit Amad Aleph, right? The Mishnah that appears at the beginning of our parak Yesh Mutaros, and the Mishnah stated that Shnios Laraios, relatives who are related but less closely than those named in the Torah, are prohibited to marry what we refer to as Midivre Sofrim. What that concept is, and what that concept refers to, of something being uh, of something being usher. Midivre uh, Sofrim is a uh, a concept that appears numerous times throughout our parak, and what exactly that means, what exactly that conjures up and implies, is uh, a fascinating conversation. And uh, in different places throughout Shas, so uh, the Gemara in Kedushin uh, alludes to this, and on Daf Lamed Ahmed Aleph, the Rambam suggests uh, his own suggestion in Hilchos Ishus in Parak Aleph Halach Avav, and uh, we have all sorts of uh, all sorts of Shniyos Laarayos, which can be found in uh, in the Shulchan Aruch in uh, in Evan Haezer Simon. Uh, Tes Vav, and these Shneos Arayos, the Gemara describes, uh, are going to be Aser Midivrei Sofim. So the Gemara asks if a woman is a Shneo Labal, but not a Shneo Liyavim. She is Muteris to the Yavim, and the Gemara wants to know if she gets Iksuba from the Yavim or not, which is going to be the uh, really the uh, the crux of the issue on Daf Pei, hey, over here. And the Gemara tries, uh, the Gemara wonders, since the Gemara on Daf Lamed Ches tells us that a Yavim, that a Yavama's Iksuba is her first husband's responsibility should they get divorced. Perhaps she isn't too entitled, she isn't entitled rather to Aksuba. Or perhaps, since in any other case of another Yavam, she does not have Aksuba from her first husband, so here too she should be able to take the Aksuba money from the Yavam, since she is not entitled to Aksuba from husband number one. So the Gemara concludes that this woman's Aksuba for sure comes from the first husband. If she doesn't have Aksuba by him, by the first husband, then she's going to have Aksuba <clears throat> by the second husband, by the Yavam. But if the first husband was an erva to her, she won't have Aksuba from either. And these marriages and these relationships are going going to be illicit marriages and relationships. The Gemara wants to know if an illicit relationship such as in Amana Lekohen Gadol or Grushik Chalutza Lekohen Hedyot so what is the status of what we refer to as her Zechus Mizonos? Does she need, uh, uh, rather is she uh, able to receive uh, this zechus mizonos sustenance from her husband? The Gemara needs to clarify the question based on whether or not these people are living together. And the Gemara says that if they're living together, so this Kohen must divorce this woman, whether or not it's a Kohen Gadol or whether or not it's a Kohen Hedyot, and depending on who their uh, significant other is going to be. So he has to go ahead, says the Gemara, and divorce her. So how could she possibly have this chus of Mizonos? So the Gemara suggests that this is a case where the husband went, Le Medina Sayam, he went somewhere overseas, and while he was away, she went ahead and borrowed money from him. So the question is, does he need to pay back this money on her behalf? The Gemara concludes that after the husband dies, she has the right to the Mizonos, but not during his lifetime. So for some reason or another, the Kohen doesn't divorce her, which is uh, unacceptable halakhically, because obviously has to go ahead and divorce her, and they stay married. She should be zocha to the to 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 the mizonos like any other 
like any other almana. The Gemara then says that when there's a marriage that's usher de oraisa, such as an almana le kohen gadol or a grusha chalitza le kohen hadyot, so she can receive everything she deserves in a marriage, but she becomes a chalala. And we do our best to force him to divorce her again. Based in and in, in Klal Yisrael, try to make sure that none of these marriages are going to take place, none of these marriages can function, and none of these marriages can survive. And we do whatever we could to try to break up uh, illicit relationships um, from a halachic perspective. So, um, the, uh, the, uh, the Gemara goes on to describe that if it's only a Dirabanan problem, then she's not going to get any benefits from the marriage. And she and her children are still going to have the opportunity to marry a Kohen. The Gemara goes on to describe the difference between these two classes of marriage. Those marriages that are Asr Dura such as Almana, the Kohen Gadol, and those that are Asr Durabanan, such as uh, the Grusha V'chalutza L'Kohen Hedyon. And the Gemara presents two different uh, two differences between these two classes of illicit relationships. What are they? Sir B'Shem ben comments that while they're still married in a relationship that's Asr Durabanan, he can't do the Avoda. He is causing her all sorts of problems. And since they're causing each other problems for each other, we assume that the marriage isn't going to work out. They're going to likely get divorced anyways. And as a result... Um, of this uh, of this divorce, so we don't necessarily have to go ahead and uh, get involved in trying to push one of them out of the marriage. Rebbe, on the other hand, comes along and says that when we have doraisas such as Almana Kohen Gadol and Grusha Chalutzed Kohen Hadyot, so we don't need uh, the chizuk for them to go ahead and get divorced. It's likely they'll get divorced, but a dirabanan like the Shneos Arayos. People don't take mitzvahs derabanan seriously. And therefore, to dissuade a person from this type of relationship, a secondary erva doesn't receive a ksuba. And since she's not going to receive a ksuba, and she knows that in advance, she knows that before getting involved in this uh, relationship, so we, uh, we hope that she doesn't go ahead and she doesn't, uh, she doesn't uh, continue this relationship. So the Gemara then offers a third distinction between um, illicit marriages derabanan and illicit marriages deoraisa, namely that in the case of a marriage, Marriage between an almana and a kohen gadol, it's more likely that the man is the one who persuades the woman to be married, as opposed to secondary rios. Then it is often uh, uh, there, rather, it is often the woman who persuades the man because she has nothing to lose. Neither her nor her children will become halalim. Right. So since she gets into this. Uh, marriage that we refer to as shnios arayos. There's no, uh, there's not there. there she, she, she's in it to win it. It doesn't matter whether or not they stay married because the halacha is when it comes to uh, uh, marriages that are usher on this level of shnios arayos. She doesn't become a chalal. Children don't become a chalal. And since since she was the one who pushed the marriage, so she's going to be pen- penalized with the loss of a ksuba. She shouldn't be zoche to this ksuba. So the Gemara then tries to figure out who the third approach uh, is in the name of and offers five different afkaminas between Rebbe, who holds that she receives the ksuba based on whether the marriage is usher on a doraisa or a dirabanan level, and Roshim ben Alazar, who holds that the current marriage uh, uh, who decides whether or not the current marriage is going to create uh, a situation of chalalim. And with all of these nafkamina, we talk out this machlokes between Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar and Rebbe uh, at the end of Daf Peihei Amud, uh, Amud Beis. And really what comes out of this Gemara is in or as a result of which marriages 
is a uh, is a woman going to be able to receive her ksuba? And certainly, uh, when we think about normal marriages and marriages that operate uh, and function regularly, and uh, unfortunately they come to an end, and there's a um, there's a uh, uh, an ending of a marriage divorce. So obviously, a woman's going to get a ksuba. Our gemara is picking up on marriages that never should have happened, on marriages that were usser for one reason or another, and we're really trying to figure out as we make our way through the parak of Yesh Mutaros, uh, whether or not this, uh, this illicit relationship is going to produce a for this particular woman or not, and uh, what the ramifications are halachically to these uh, these types of illicit, uh, illicit relationships. And as we go on and try to flesh out this Mishnah on Pedalaram and Aleph, so we're going to spell out many different concepts within the world of Ksuba, within the world of uh, halachic marriages, uh, illicit relationships that our Gemara obviously presents over here, and uh, really try to get to the bottom of uh, what makes a uh, halachic marriage, halachic, and uh, all sorts of conversations that revolve around uh, matrimony in halacha, which uh, which is obviously a large uh, conversation, certainly one-sixth of shas. And uh, as we make our way through, so we're going to uncover all sorts of uh, gems, all sorts of halachos surrounding these issues. That is, Mesech Sivamos, Daf, Pei, Hei.